guys, it's the Princess of Pro Wrestling, SoCalVal, and you are listening to the wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, The Whole Reffin' Show. And now, the wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, The Whole Reffin' Show. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, wrestle fans of all ages, welcome to the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, the whole refin show. You are here at episode 41, and I am Darren Beasley. Well, that would make me Perry Smith. Yeah, by virtue of my being Darren Beasley, that makes you Perry Smith in whatever convoluted cosmological way you find it necessary to extrapolate such information uh go for it it is cosmic it is cosmological it is chronological it is cosmetology it is cosmetology and it is chrono trigger and (laughs) dear listeners all of you you are here for the hottest the best The craziest, the wildest, the most important, dare I say, the apex of hashtag Wrestle News and Wrestle Views. That's right, the whole reffin' show. And we've got a killer whole reffin' show for you today. Our show is wanted for murder in seven states. And there are only eight states, so that's pretty good. Am I right? Yes. (laughs) On today's show, we've got, uh, you know, we got that typical Wrestle News and Wrestle Views. Like I said, starting off the top, we've got somebody returning to the WWE. Not a wrestler. They're headed down to NXT, actually. Speaking of NXT, we've got a debut from a hot indie talent. Yeah, we've also got a, a Netflix debut, hot off the heels of Lucha Underground, making its debut not too long ago on Netflix. They've thrown their hat in the ring, the wrestling ring, again, as the show Glow, which of course stands for Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling, Mm -hmm. hits Netflix. And unfortunately, we must report on the death of Mr. Pogo. We will also have the results from Ring of Honor's Best in the World pay-per-view, which came to you on Friday, the 23rd of June, from Lowell, Massachusetts. And then, dear listeners, we are those indie wrestling darlings. Yes, Darren and Perry are going to talk about another indie fed that is blowing up these days, and that's Wrestle Circus. Wrestle Circus came to you on Saturday, the 24th of June, from their home base of Austin, Texas, with their Twitch exclusive show, Dive Hard with a Vengeance. I get it. Before we can talk about any of this stuff, I guess first we should probably talk about those headlines. At the tapings for NXT at Full Sail University, in Orlando, Florida this week, which were held on Friday, the 23rd of June, 2017, 
Mauro Ranallo returned to the WWE. Mamma Mia! <laughs> Hashtag Mamma Mia is right. Hashtag Mamma Mia. He's a big ABBA fan. Uh, Mauro, <laughs> uh, as you may recall, we talked about Mauro Ranallo leaving the WWE uh, due to uh, issues with, uh, we'll say personnel issues. Old soapy hands? Old soapy hands with uh, one JBL. Um, yeah, some bullying going on, if you can believe that. Some oh, some good-natured ribbon. Be a star. If you ask uh, JBL. Be a star. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, Marwan all left. Uh, he he no-showed a couple of shows. Uh, first, he tried to say it was it, it involved uh, just flights not making it because there was storms at the time. Uh, and then eventually it came out that he was actually suffering from depression. And not just depression, but like bipolar uh, depression. So, uh, so it seemed like they kind of severed ties, Morrow and uh, WWE. Uh, but apparently, I mean, there, there was so much talk about the whole thing happening, and WWE has to look good, you know. Um, so they they found a way to get Morrow back, even though there there was I think there was even a lawsuit involved. I think Morrow even there most definitely was Morrow even sued the company, and I think they settled out of court. That makes sense because otherwise it would still be going on. There's no way that would have happened. Yeah, I'm not that sure what the actual details, like how the it finalized in or out of court. Right. But I know that one thing that happened was they basically put, for lack of a better word, a gag order on Morrow, and it even stopped a Newsweek magazine story uh, yes. dead in its tracks. Newsweek was about to blow WWE up, like not just for the Morrow thing, but JBL, and I think it was about to get nasty. There was about to be some serious investigative journalism that Vince McMahon did not want happening right now. So Morrow, I basically, they handed him a wad of cash. They got him away from JBL. The old cash wad. They said, please don't talk to any magazines. And hey, here's a job. And guess what? It can only benefit the WWE to have Morrow back on their television product because... Morrow announced a couple of weeks ago that he will, in fact, be calling the Floyd Mayweather-Conor McGregor super fight yeah, man. that's coming up in August. And if WWE can piggyback anything, they will. And whereas McGregor and Mayweather is probably going to be the biggest fight of the last 40 years, you know, Vince McMahon hates the fact that he can't touch that in some way so not only has triple h formally on the air i believe in character and sort of out of character invited mcgregor and mayweather to basically shoot their promos and do all their pre-fight stuff on monday night raw but also because that's not going to happen by the way <laughs> there's no way that mcgregor and mayweather are going to do that and so vince mcmahon's like well there's just stick morrow in here somewhere and then when people watch McGregor and Mayweather, and then they hear Morrow's on our product, they'll, they'll okay, yeah. I mean, I'm going to, mm -hmm. but that's because I like Morrow already. Right. Uh, I don't know what Vince is thinking. Morrow Ronaldo is not going to all of a sudden bring, you know, tens of thousands of viewers. You don't know or that. Or network subscriptions. Just, I watch Bellator. Now I all of a sudden want to pay $10 a month to WWE to watch a one-hour show commentated by the Bellator commentator. Morrow has like a Pied Piper thing going on with his voice. I think people will follow it 
to whatever end. That's true. Uh, which that end is NXT. And it'd be nice to hear Morrow's voice again on NXT. I guess he's replacing... Who is he replacing? Do we know? Tom Phillips. So I guess he's replaced Tom Phillips as the lead commentator on uh, NXT, leaving Nigel McGuinness and Percy. Yes, they will be flanking Morrow. Right, indeed. Um, so, I mean, it's it's good for Morrow because he's back on wrestling. And again, I, I do love his voice. It's a very unique voice. Uh, and, you know, he he's very unique to the commentary. He's not just a typical drone that they have doing commentary on uh, their uh, WWE's programming. Uh, but at the same time, it's kind of like, Morrow, what are you doing? What are you doing? They bullied you and you came back. You got bought off, Morrow. So I'm I'm lukewarm to this. I mean, obviously I'll watch NXT because I, I enjoy NXT anyway, but it, it, a little more so with Morrow there. So I'll get over it eventually, but at, right now it's kind of like, what are you doing, man? What are you doing? You're letting down the people who've been bullied the whole lives. That's true. I, I respect that opinion, I, but I'm purely excited to have Morrow back. He actually did make his return at the tapings, and therefore he was on this week's episode of NXT. Right. So welcome back. Mara, welcome well, to NXT. Welcome to NXT, and they should let you get one good one in on JBL. Much like Blue Mini was allowed <laughs> yeah. to get one good one in on JBL. Uh, that's right. So maybe that means that Stevie Richards will run in and bust open JBL hard way with a chair and say, That was for Mara. <laughs> it's for tomorrow? But uh, Mara, welcome to NXT. And good Hope Morrow. you survive the yes. Yes, well done. Also, Bobby Fish, welcome to NXT. Oh. Hope you survive the experience. They caught them a marlin there. They caught them a fish. They reeled them in. Bobby Fish makes his NXT debut at the tapings on Friday, the 23rd of June, facing Aleister Black. And I'm telling you, that is the beauty of NXT, man. That is where you can see ultimate indie dream matches on a WWE stage. Yep. I don't care that Full Sail only holds the same amount of people, maybe even less than some of these indie super shows. It's simply the quality of the production, which is so enchanting that WWE has mastered. And then you put wrestlers like this against each other in that setting. It just blows the roof off the place. It's good stuff for sure. Uh, Think about Bobby Fish. Do we know if he's a good chess player or not? Bobby (laughs) Fish. (laughs) In relation to Bobby Fischer. Right, right, okay, right. Okay, right, thank right. you. I'm with you. Thank you. I'm with you. I watch a lot of chess. Well, I'd say that explains a lot, Darren. What does it explain? A lot. Moving on. What does it explain, Perry? It explains a lot. Moving on. Okay, very good. Glow made its debut. Not on NXT, because that would not make any sense. Okay. Because Glow is in and of itself. Oh, if they feel the Glow, then they're talking about Naomi. Oh, no, no, no. We're not talking about Naomi. Okay, okay. okay. We're not talking about Trinity Fatu. Okay. No, we are talking about Glow, which I don't know if they're even referring to it as Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling. Can we rewind right now and talk about how her name is Trinity Fatu? (laughs) We... We could. Okay, we well, are. What are you, you going to say about Trinity Fatu? That's all. Her name is Trinity Fatu. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Um, uh, but on TV, her name is Naomi. Okay. Or, as too many people say, it, they say Naomi. And I'm like, that's an A, which is never pronounced like an I, but whatever. <laughs> no, Glow, which is a television show for Netflix, a Netflix original. Right. Starring Allison Brie and Mark Maron. 
and uh, among many others. Oddly enough, Mark Maron, by the oddly way. Enough, Mark Maron. It's oddly enough that it's it's odd that Mark Maron is the is an actor on this show, as opposed to an actor playing himself on a show <laughs> or just doing you know stand up comedy somewhere. Mark Maron rarely acts, but. I'm surprised that he's been put into this role, but apparently he's doing a really good job. Yeah, I don't know who makes this show, but I'm assuming they're either a Mark Maron super fan or a close friend, right? Or something because not because Mark Maron can't do it, doesn't deserve it, or anything like that. It's just oddball casting. Yeah, apparently it works. We will get back to you, dear listeners, once we have watched Glow. We're going to talk about it in some capacity. Go to full review. I have not had the chance, however. <laughs> like the rest of America, to binge watch it in one day. Everybody I've talked to, present company excluded, everybody I've talked to seemed to watch it last weekend in its entirety. Well, that's Netflix for you, so, man. You don't just watch. It's, they're like they're Lay's potato chips. You can't have just one. <laughs> that is for damn sure. Yeah. But another interesting thing about You Glow, can't have just one season. Yeah. <laughs> binge watch multiple seasons. Uh, yeah. Right. For those who I'm don't know uh, about Glow, though, uh, this is, I mean, I mean, Glow is a real thing. I mean, it's been around since the 80s? 70s, even? Well, no, it was a television show based in the 80s. Well, yeah. not based in the 80s. <laughs> a television show that came about in the 80s. There you go. And it was basically riding on the popularity of the rock and wrestling connection that Vince McMahon basically uh, helped bring into existence, of course, as wrestling blew up, became national, became mainstream, became Saturday morning cartoons, right. became Saturday night prime time, Saturday night live. I mean, wrestling was everywhere. And so Glow was an attempt to say, hey, pro wrestling plus sexy ladies and let's Gorgeous ramp up ladies. the Thank drama. You. Yeah, and, uh, and that's what they did. And so Glow was pro wrestling except... Even more tongue-in-cheek, even more over-the-top, even more extreme. And therefore, it was not quite pro-wrestling, but then again, it was. Right. The difference was, even though WWE, WCW, other companies of over time have used people that were probably better classified as actors than wrestlers, Glow, the original Glow... Definitely was just a collection of actors, of actresses, and some of them may have had athletic backgrounds, but very few of them were wrestlers or fighters of any sort. And so, even though they competed in a ring, it was much, much, much more of a spectacle, of a TV show, of a soap opera, if you will, that involved in-ring fighting. So that was the original product. This Netflix show is based on that. And, uh... I believe it follows uh, fictionalized versions of those real women that participated in GLOW. But again, we will have much more to report. We will have a full breakdown of GLOW coming to you sometime this summer, dear listeners. We swear it. On a sad note, we must say goodbye and a rest in peace to Mr. Pogo. Japanese deathmatch wrestling fame. Mr. Pogo, whose real name was Tetsuo Sekugawa. I understand why he shortened it to Mr. Pogo. (laughs) Passed away at 66 years old this week. He suffered from a cerebral infarction during back surgery. That is a a terrible, unfortunate situation. Never fun or easygoing to go under the knife. 
It is always a serious situation. No such thing as minor surgery. Exactly. When Anything you're talking can about, happen. Yeah. yeah, you're talking about anesthesia. You're talking about cutting yourself open. I mean, it can do any number of things to the heart, the brain, and uh, it, it's terrifying. And uh, you take a man who was 66, not terribly old, also not terribly young, and uh, the damage that he has certainly done to his body over the years. Mr. Pogo made a name for himself in New Japan Pro Wrestling. He was part of the rise of Frontier Martial Arts Wrestling, FMW, which uh, a lot of our listeners would be more familiar with FMW from the Mike Awesome, Masato Tanaka, Hayabusa days. FMW also very famous for uh, deathmatch tournaments. And uh, Mr. Pogo himself, who fought a lot of those people that I just mentioned, also famous for fighting people like Terry Funk, Cactus Jack, Super Leather. Mr. Pogo, uh, very, very recognizable by his high-waisted pants and uh, his taped-up fists and his ability to just devastate and be devastated. So, um, vaya con Dios, Mr. Pogo. Thanks for uh, all you contributed to the world of wrestling. And now we're going to take you to our full rundown of the results of Ring of Honor's Best in the World. Friday, the 23rd of June, 2017, Lowell, Massachusetts, was the site of Ring of Honor's Best in the World pay-per-view. And Ring of Honor, which has been a hot topic, as all of the independent scene has blown up, and WWE has lagged. Everybody's got their eyes on ROH. And everybody's saying, what are they doing? It's still a hot product. It's a hot commodity. It's a hot scene. But people are jumping left and right. You know, I, I don't know. It, it's very interesting. Because you see people like Bobby Fish, gone. Kyle O'Reilly, gone. Adam Cole, gone. But ROH still has that sweet, sweet deal with New Japan and so we get New Japan talent on ROH shows, and we get an ROH spotlight on international wrestling right. as New Japan takes their partnership global. ROH seems like the last stop before you hit WWE slash NXT. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to build up ROH any more than it's already been built up because the top people just kind of go, well... Triple H called. <laughs> I better go. Get the, the, the We're problem, just going to talk. We're just going to talk. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the problem is, and we're going to go down the card here and give you the results. All you have to do is listen to this card, and you're crazy to think that ROH is flagging or lagging or sucking it up or failing to deliver or disbanding or unraveling. Nothing could be more untrue. Right. I mean, it looks a lot different than it did a couple years ago. So I understand people who are like, hashtag, not my ROH, you know. <laughs> Those same people say the same about NXT, though. It's like, there's like no one here anymore. There's, there's no one even, your same as ain't even here no more, none. And they're crazy. They are. All of those people are crazy and wrong. Right. And uh, again, just listen to these results, and uh, if your mind isn't changed, then you're probably stupid. Wow. <laughs> and Darren's probably fair. Uh, hey, I call it right down the middle. Right. We both do. Mm-hmm. It's because it's the only... You're either right like me or you're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> fair is fair. No, we call it down the middle. That's what we do. El Terrible and Ultimo Guerrero defeated the Kingdom. 
made up of Matt Taven and Vinny Marsilia with uh, TK Orion at their side. And uh, Vinny Marsilia, what a character he is. He continues, he's eventually going to have so much flair that I'm not going to know what to do. <laughs> he turned his already pretty cool uh, black, wiry Italian hair into like these mini dreads. Um, there's now more patch than jacket on his jacket. And uh, now he's got a homemade Jason mask that he wears to the ring. And uh, But anyway, they lose. <laughs> that would be called a goalie's mask, by the way. Right, right. I don't know why they're called Jason masks. Well, that, they, they, are, they are hockey masks. <laughs> well, they were. Right. I'll right. Give, if you find me a goalie who still wears a mask that looks like that, right. I'll give you a million dollars. Well, that, that's that's funny to me, though. I mean, it's it's someone someone puts picks up a baseball bat, and it's like, oh, a sting bat! You know, it's like, it, it's a baseball bat. <laughs> sting also used one. Yes, but millions of baseball players have used it for 150 years. Right, no, but, but Sting used one, is, is my point. <laughs> Terrible and Guerrero defeat the kingdom. Next up, we had Frankie Kazarian take on Hangman Page in a strap match. Frankie Kazarian over here. Frankie defeats Hangman Page of the Bullet Club mm-hmm. in this strap match. Hangman Page, most notably of Bullet Club Japan, though he does frequently make ROH appearances. He frequents. New Japan gives talent to ROH you know, on occasion. A lot of people say it's the other way around, a little too much. Too much ROH going to New Japan, making appearances. A lot of flights. It's a lot of that's a lot of time in the air, man. When you, uh, New England to Japan, that is a lot of time in the air. Yeah. Oh yeah. Next up, we have an eight-man tag match. The losing team the stipulation. Interesting. Uh, interesting stipulation here. I like the way you said it the first time. <laughs> the stipulation. Interesting. <laughs> the losing team must disband, search and destroy the team of Alex Shelley and Chris Sabin. Which, in and of themselves, are, of course, the tag team Motor City Machine Guns. Of course. Tagging with Jay White and Jonathan Gresham. They are Search and Destroy, and they take on... Jonathan Gresham, great author, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Did The Firm, The Red Maker. Oh, that, that, that's John... <laughs> that John Grissom? Is that's that his John name? Grisham. 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 One letter different. One letter different. Okay, it's so good. Search and Destroy take on The Rebellion. Which is a more permanent fixture, unlike this sort of hodgepodge search and destroy team. Uh, the Rebellion, comprised of Kenny King, Rhett Titus, and Shane Taylor. Search and Destroy defeat the Rebellion. And uh, to me, that's interesting. Because Search and Destroy, which is sort of the thrown together team, or right. the more thrown together team, yeah. forces <laughs> the. <laughs> Big time, like established faction to disband. Well, that's the point, I guess. Sure, right. You probably should have brought together people that are a bit more together, though, because it would have meant more. Yeah. You know, and they they may stay together after this match. They may pull a Vader when he fought Kane in a mask <laughs> versus mask match and lost, and just I'm gonna keep wearing my mask. Oh yeah. No. Okay. Here we go. I understand. No. <laughs> The interesting thing about the Rebellion is, to me, they're the closest thing that we've gotten to a nation of domination in a lot of years. And, dear listeners, in case you don't know, I know Perry knows this very well, and a lot of our listeners know this, but in case you don't, I am an enormous nation of domination fan. I love the original, original incarnation of the nation of domination. So good. Clarence Mason, PG-13. 
with Farouk Assad at the front. D'Lo Brown didn't even have a name yet. And you had Crush and Savio and all these other dudes with little suits and bow ties. That had the bow ties, yeah. They're, 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 they were very loved official. Uh, Nation got a little too big. Got a little too big. I think it was like 15 people by the never end. Too, hashtag never too big. I don't know. For me, the the refined, non-PG-13 version is uh, is pretty good. But PG-13 is what made no, it. No! No! They, they sang and that was neat. But no, I mean like the, the Farouk, D'Lo, Kama, The Rock, or Rocky Maivia, um, Mark Henry even. Mark Henry was kind of the beginning of the end. But still the other guys though. Because Mark Henry couldn't pull off the attitude. Right. Now... He could ten years later, right? For some reason, when he was all mean and nasty, and he's great now. I, 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 I never, I, I never liked Mark Henry that much then, you know, because he didn't really bring a lot to the table for me. But like, he shows up now, and I'm like, hey, Mark Henry, like, you know, like, yeah, you did it. Oh, Mark he Henry. absolutely added nothing to the nation of domination, right? Because they were all bad dudes with seriously like bent attitudes. And Mark Henry was just like, I'm happy to be here. Right. Hey, like, everybody, I'm a teddy bear. It was just poor booking on WWE's part because sure. they were just like, you're black, you go to the nation of domination. Yeah, how stupid. Yeah, that's pretty bad. But, continue on. Interesting thing about the rebellion, in addition to the fact that they're the closest thing we've gotten to a nation of domination since the nation of domination, is Kenny King, I noticed, uh, Kenny King, member of the rebellion, I noticed he is on <laughs> this season of The Bachelorette. Okay. And uh, so he is apparently one of the eligible bachelors. Are they courting so, Ron Simmons? <laughs> I, maybe. I don't know. Kenny King, though, uh, also, well, who was a tough enough contestant. So I don't think Kenny King can decide whether he wants to wrestle or whether he wants to be a reality TV star. It's good to spread your eggs Guess out what? there. Exactly. Because you don't want. If, Do if one goes and you're like, I've got other eggs, don't you worry about that. Go for it, Kenny. Right. Hey, Kenny. You did it. Yes. Next up, Jay Lethal takes on Silas Young with the Beer City Bruiser. Big fan of Silas Young. Not a big fan of the Beer City Bruiser. Yeah, we talked about this. He was what? <laughs> we, we called him Wimpy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. We called him Wimpy from Popeye. He is Wimpy from Popeye. He is Wimpy from Popeye. And Beer City Bruiser would be a badass nickname if it was followed up by a regular name. Like, <laughs> I'm the Beer City Bruiser. Steven. Go ahead. Let's hear it. I don't know. Steven. The Beer City Bruiser, Steven. There are literally, you, you could say almost anything and it's a name. But when you want to think of a random name. You come up with Bullwhip? You come up with a burr, a burr, a bullwhip. Well, I Steven Banana. Yeah. <laughs> Even that. Even, even that? Steven Banana would be better than the Beer City Bruiser, the end. Uh, I don't I don't like it. I don't like it. Fair and enough. he's just, he's not impressive to me. I'm, I'm not a fan of Silas. Uh, the last real man, man. Jay, Jay Lethal uh, is, is a talented wrestler. Okay. Uh, I agree. I've never, there's not a lot to him. I mean, he's... <laughs> Oh no! You give me that look. I, the you're, look you're I'm sitting, jaw I'm sitting just here, mouth agape, dear listeners. No, the uh, like, mouth agape. The the Christopher Daniels of the world, the Jay Lethal's of the world, never really kind of fell into that. You know, never. That's just me. Wait, who in Jay Lethal? Christopher Daniels. Okay, 
Well, I also didn't fawn to Christopher Daniels. Well, uh, oh, my mouth is gaped open. <laughs> Darren, how could you think that? that the door is ajar. Yes. Okay. Christopher Daniels, I'm with you. But, uh... Jay Lethal, not so much. Hey, yeah, I said he's a good wrestler. I just said, personality-wise, kind of like... Well, he's he, he's like... he's ROH's Bret Hart, is what it is. It's I like dig that. I, I show up, and I, I'm on time, and I do my job, and I play by the rules, the and bad is, things always happen to me. The problem is, he's capable of more than that. All you have to do is look at his Black Machismo days in TNA. Okay, now that was great. Right. Which, that shows you... Okay, you don't want to do that long-term. You don't want to... Steal someone else's be a satire of forever. Else, yeah, but if you have the ability to like be the BWO, that good, you mean? Yeah. Oh, oh, uh, rocking a hard uh, place, Darren. Uh, uh, Mister Blue Meaning, rocking uh, a hard place. Stuck between the rock and a hard place. Jay Lethal, though your most hated wrestler. Oh my God! Uh, defeats Silas Young, your most hated wrestler. Next up, the ROH Six-Man Tag Team Championship. I know, does ROH need a six-man tag team championship? All that matters is that they have it, Darren. I know. The the, the ones that have that six-man. And I like it. I'm for it. I just asked that question because they do get criticized. Which, by the way, I think... I think 205 Live should have a six-man championship. Absolutely. I think they should have that. Absolutely. That would make that unique within the WWE Exactly. And they have enough people to pull it off. And hell, most of their matches are tag team matches. That's the reason. six-man matches or eight-man matches anyway. Make it mean something. Absolutely. Yes. But much like uh, their sister company, or their sister-in-law, let's say, company, New Japan... ROH does have a six-man tag title. When we saw him in January, it seemed like everybody was paired off in threes. Paired off in threes? Threed off in threes? <laughs> everybody was twoed off into three people. <laughs> everybody was grouped into threes. Right. And we were like, oh my god, it's perfect! So uh, I guess enough of those groups do still exist. Like the Rebellion, because the Rebellion was a three-man group before it became a four-man group. And, of course, before it was disbanded. Mm-hmm. You also had the Kingdom, which was a three-man group before a serious leg injury. But they took Dalton Castle and they said, hey, the boys have to wrestle now. And guess what? You're three! Yay! And then, of course, once Bully Ray left WWE and showed up in ROH and decided to tag with the Briscoe Brothers, hey, you got three. So, Bully Ray and the Briscoe Brothers, your reigning ROH six-man tag team champs, took on Dalton Castle and the boys. That they did. And Dalton Castle and the boys won. That's That's amazing. It is super surprising they let the boys and Dalton Castle go over on Bully Ray, former TNA champion, not to mention all the titles he held as a tag team champion with Devon Dudley. Every company's tag belts. And uh, the Briscoes, which they're not pushovers. <laughs> no, those are like the scariest, baddest-ass dudes around. But then the boys beat them! I mean, no offense to the boys, but they're the boys. They're little twin boys who prance around in their underpants and right. feather masks. I mean, they just barely became wrestlers. <laughs> but it's our point, yeah. And they're, they're, they're them's little guys. But hey, I think this was a thank you to Dalton Castle for his new two-year contract with the uh, company. Oh, yeah, yeah, If they're yeah. not going to quite feel like they're ready to put Dalton Castle into the world title scene, this was a thank you, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I have no problem with it, but it <laughs> was a surprise. Right. The no, R- no, look, come on. Come on, we love Dalton 
Castle on the Boys. Love the Party Peacock. There you go. And and his boys. If and the will. boys. And the right, boys. Right, right. And, the boys. And, and like we talked about whenever twin there was... one and twin two. Like we talked about when there was discussion of Dalton Castle potentially going to WWE. Don't. There's no room for you right now. The land of saturation. And also you have to... You have to... You know, the same reason that Ricochet... Needs to fucking calm down. <laughs> Just stay where you are. You're young. You know, keep honing your craft. Keep doing the awesome things that you're doing. You know, and keep being you. And then, you know, make your way over. It, it is a nice sign that Dalton seems to be adhering to that precise philosophy. There you go. He is recognizing this is the time. This is the place. If not ROH... Specifically, although it is ROH specifically that he's re-signed with, mm-hmm. just indie wrestling. Wrestling is right here on the precipice of being huge again, and not just WWE. And we talked about this recently on the show as well. Indies are the hottest that they've ever been, and oh, for sure, I don't sure. see that bubble bursting anytime soon. No, it's got a lot, lot, lot left to grow tons of potential absolutely and and whenever you know vince or triple h wwe is like well you can just leave the company now it's kind of like okay there's plenty of money to be made and i can do all these cool things simon gotch's not wrestling for like the the heavyweight championships of different organizations you know simon gotch you couldn't win a fucking tag match a fucking dark tag match to save his life (laughs) but now is like he's the front of the poster and his name is the biggest in the poster and i mean yeah don't go dalton stay where you are exactly everybody wants to work for wwe and everybody should one day if they get the opportunity everybody wants a wrestlemania moment why wouldn't you but do you need to rush there when you're 23 or 27 years old and potentially get pooped right back out by the company and then maybe not be quite as hot of a commodity mm-hmm. i don't know it's a tough call it's smart to stay an indie darling right now yeah. right now Absolutely. i mean it, it's every, just like everything else it's cyclical there'll come another time where we need a huge injection where we need like okay we need you know fergal devitt and kevin steen and el generico and then we need roddy strong and tommy end and kenta and Nakamura, and we need all of them. Boom, boom, go, go, all of you now. Right. They'll come another time for that. It ain't right now. Yeah. So. I think Dalton Castle did pretty well in NXT, but I think as soon as they got that call up, like they're doing with. Like all too many. Like of they've them. done with Gold Dust and done with Nakamura. Oh, he's bizarre. Yeah. He's weird. Dalton Castle's just weird. Makes me want to puke. I know. Sergeant Slaughter style. But anyway. What? Yeah. Oh, puke. The Ring of Honor World Television Championship was defended by the champion, Kushida, as he took on the villain, Marty Skrull, one of the newest members of the Bullet Club. And Kushida defeated Marty Skrull. That's a surprise. Yep. And that's one thing. There's your one difference between the Bullet Club and the New World Order, is the Bullet Club does lose sometimes, and it's okay. They're not out there for their, their it's buddies. Okay. Unless you're there for the world championship, the other club members aren't there to help you out. No. Big Bubba and VK Wall Street oh my God. did not run in to help Marty Skrull. You know? <laughs> Send in that B team, bud. 
The ROH World Tag Team Championship was also defended. This is just the, this is just the like the four man, the two man, whatever, however you want to call it, the regular type, okay. regular old World Tag Team Championship. Who wants to see that? This is a three way tornado tag team match, featuring the Young Bucks, Yay. Matt and Nick Jackson, who are your ROH World Tag Team Champions, took on War Machine. Hanson and Raymond Rowe, who we just talked about on New Japan's Dominion pay-per-view when they took on the Gorillas of Destiny. Again, flying to and from Japan, New Japan. It, it's, it is great for exposure, but that's, uh, that's a lot of jet lag. It's a lot of sky miles. Also, the third team in this three-way Tornado Tag Team match for the ROH World Tag Belts were the best friends, Trent Beretta and Chucky e. T, <laughs> a.k.a. Chuck Taylor. Right, right. And the Young Bucks win the match and retain their tag team championships. As well they should. Young Bucks should always be the tag champions no matter where they are. These guys are pretty great. There's absolutely no discounting what War Machine can do. And while I've not seen Beretta and Chucky T tag together as best friends, uh, there's also no denying the talent those two men possess individually. Um, as well as Beretta as one half of Rapongi Vice. Rapongi, Rapongi, Rapongi Lights, Rapongi Vice. At least we with, forget. <laughs> along with Rocky Romero. Um, neither of these teams are the Young Bucks, which absolutely, wrestling wise, have got to be the best tag team in the world, period. Wouldn't you say? I will. The main event of Ring of Honor's Best in the World pay-per-view was a world championship match between ROH world champion Christopher Daniels, formerly known as the Fallen Angel, currently known as the, I guess, Nazi uniform-wearing guy, taking on... But still a big Venom fan? Yeah, but still a big Venom fan. Yeah. That's a really, uh, that's a mouthful. That's an unwieldy nickname. It fits on the shirt. Barely. <laughs> As he takes on Cody. Which easily fits on any shirt. Cody. <laughs> Cody. Rah. No, 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 no. Just regular type Cody. Cody. Rah. No, of course, Cody. Cody. Rah. R-O-H. Cody. R-O-H. <laughs> Cody. Rhodes. <laughs> Cody Rhodes, of course, who is uh, legally only allowed to present himself as Cody. Um, but he can't legally the, change the last name to Rhodes. And, I don't understand. And go, that. Ah, I'm a Rhodes. I don't understand it. It's very strange. Very, very strange. I'm surprised he can use Cody because not his real name either. Um, hmm. But anyway, at least he's not out there wrestling as Garrett Runnels because that just is not anything. Cody, though, dig it. I like it. And then, of course, the fact that he somehow was able to abscond with the name The American Nightmare, uh, I think is, of course, brilliant. Yeah. It uh, is a huge boon to uh, his persona. To Pat. And uh, so The American Nightmare, yes, I'm aware. For those who don't know, I know you know. Uh, the only wrestling podcast where you will hear a Pat Boone reference, Amen. dear listeners. I'm going to call it so, down the middle when it comes to Pat Boone. Right home to your grandparents, and they'll know who Perry's talking about. Yeah. Kids, ask your parents' parents. 
Cody defeats Christopher Daniels. The American Nightmare goes over. He is your Ring of Honor World Champion. Someone with personality is Ring of Honor Champion now. What? Oh, take that, Christopher Daniels. Wow. I'll see you in hell. Now who? Now who's not calling it down the middle? I'm sorry. I'm not oh. sorry. Wow. Who was I shitting on earlier? No, I forget. But I think Pat Boone. No, no, well, I would all... I mean, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I hate Pat Boone. <laughs> and that was... <laughs> That was the show that was. That was Ring of Honor's best that in the was world. It's the show that was. It is. It is the show. It was the show that was. It is. It is. <laughs> Ring of Honor. Best in the world. And Cody. Christopher Daniels. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. God. Oh, man. You, you'd think it was Jay Lethal. Man. <laughs> I said he was a good wrestler. Don't twist my words. The American Nightmare is the best in the world as far as Ring of Honor is concerned. Hey, man. And Cody will now go on just just a week after with his ROH World Championship, and he will go after Kajka Okada at the G1 Climax Special in Long Beach in an attempt to become the IWGP Heavyweight Champion. Now that, that, my dear friend Perry... And all of our dear listeners, that would be an incredible accomplishment. And where was Cody a year ago? Floundering as Stardust on WWE. They don't know what to do with him. You know, these indies, man. Somebody somebody in that company knew what to do with him. They just wouldn't do it. And speaking of the indies, these red hot indies, we're going to tell you all about the landmark show that was Wrestle Circus Dive Hard with a Vengeance. The night after Ring of Honor's Best in the World, Wrestle Circus brought us Dive Hard with a Vengeance from Austin, Texas. This was Saturday, the 24th of June, 2017. Wrestle Circus brought us this show not just live to an Austin crowd, no. They brought it to the world on Twitch. That's right. Twitch. Tell us a little bit about Twitch. Twitch, as many of you know, uh, is kind of a YouTube for video games. A lot of people watch Twitch to see other people play video games, which doesn't sound appealing, but believe it or not, it is appealing. In fact, some people that I know that do not play video games will from time to time watch Twitch more than I watch Twitch (laughs) to watch people play Video games. Whatever do you mean? I don't know. But uh, anyway, so when people watch people play video games on Twitch, I mean, people have huge followings on Twitch. Uh, some of the greatest like players of games like Call of Duty, League of Legends, um, they get donations. So people can watch people's uh, feeds of whatever they're playing. And uh, typically you'd hear the person doing commentary as they play. Or maybe even you have a camera view of them playing the game. Uh, people get tipped. People make a lot of money doing this. I will admit, I mean, obviously, I'm who you're talking about. <laughs> and I'm the one who hasn't played video games in 16, 17 years. Mm-hmm. And yet I will watch someone else play Age of Empires 2 <laughs> on Twitch right. for hours. Yeah. Um, 
it is a fascinating endeavor. It was a brilliant idea. A lot of people are making a lot of money. Lot the, the users money. are making huge money. Obviously, the company has to be making money somehow. Right. And uh, good for them. Absolutely. It's very easy to get, dear listeners. It's an app that you can get on your computer, on your smart TV, on any of your smart devices that attach to your television, like a Roku or an Amazon Fire. You can put it on your phone. Uh, it's it's everywhere. Absolutely. And, it, and it's, it's live streaming video game playing. And like Perry said, sometimes you get to watch the person play at the same time as you're watching their screen. And that's pretty neat. Right. If, if they aren't horribly obnoxious, you can you can deal with it uh, <laughs> for the most part. So, obviously, Wrestle Circus kind of recognized that this is a way to get their product out. Um, as far as I know, this idea has never been attempted before. But uh, Wrestle Circus must have actually contacted Twitch because this is a Twitch-sponsored event. That's right. Um, Twitch is actually on their ring apron. Yeah. Um, so, this was, this was a big deal. This is a very... Very big deal, and it brought a lot of traffic to Twitch. the uh, The hits on Rust Circus are pretty pretty big. I honestly think, and I could be wrong, and I want to I want to make an asterisk on this episode and come back and check a year from now, and I want to see if what I'm about to say is true. I think this is so big that this is about to revolutionize independent wrestling. I agree. Now. And I don't mean like Ring of Honor size indie. And obviously, a ton of Florida independent promotions are wrapped up with WWN and Flow Slam, which of course has a huge influx of money from WWE of all places. So WWE Network, okay, they figured out the over-the-top streaming thing. WWN, Flow Slam, they're on board but I think this is the one for everyone else. And all of a sudden you get, you know, I'm not even going to name names because I don't want to, I don't want to feel like I'm picking favorites or forcing this down anybody's throat. But I think a lot of your very big indies that just need a spark are, this is going to be the spark. Yep. This is going to be your benchmark of elegance. This is going to be your touchstone. Here we go. Twitch, wrestling on Twitch, live streaming gonna make money this is potentially something very big uh if if used properly it could be sort of a wwe network for the indies uh for those i don't want to say smaller indies but you know people who just aren't you know roh and they aren't you know it's kind of weird to think roh is kind of an indie they kind of are they don't I mean they have better production than most but they're i mean Basically, no one's WWE. So if you're not WWE, you're an indie. <laughs> you know, it kind of feels that way. Um, I, and I think that's right. Yeah. I think that we were, you know, you and I made that call. And I don't think we were the only ones when we sort of said, all right, Impact is now just an indie. Right. ROH is great, but it's an indie. Mm-hmm. There's WWE, and then there's the indies. Right. Oh, well, there's the WWE, there's New Japan, and then there's the indies. Right. And, and that shouldn't be a dirty word. And it no, isn't. No. And I don't mean it with any negative connotation when I say it. Right. But I think you're right. This is where those indies, the smaller ones, can go on. Because like you said, it's a it's a WWE network for the indies. And here's the best part. It's by the indies for the indies. Absolutely. They're not having to buy in to somebody else's idea. 
or become a part of someone else's conglomerate. Mm-hmm. There, you can go in and it's it's self-run uh, and uh, self-sustaining. You get more people involved, more people see your product, it's, it's more easily accessible, and mm. and people tip, hopefully, and donate. And then your money just grows from there. I mean, Absolutely. it's literally exponential revenue gains. Right. It, it's kind of, it'd be silly not to take advantage of this. It's just another way to get your product out there. And Russell Circus, you did it. You did it. They were the first to do it. And uh, tip of the hat to Russ Circus for figuring that out, because that's pretty ingenious, I must say. And they did a great job. They did a great job. Earlier we said, you know, not putting all your eggs in one basket. Well, they said, fuck that. We're putting a thousand eggs into this basket, and they brought to us Dive Hard with a Vengeance. The show opens up with the big top tag team championship match. These are the tag team championships of Russell Circus. Russell Circus, obviously, everything sort of has a, speaking of tips of the cap or nods, everything is sort of, it's it's a circus. I mean, it's Russell Circus. Right. So their tag team championships are called the Big Top Tag Team Championships. What a time for Doink not to exist. <laughs> That's right. Your reigning Russell Circus Big Top Tag Team Champions, the Gorillas of Destiny, Tamatanga and Tangaroa, who get talked about on the show fairly often, but almost exclusively in New Japan talk. Here they are in the United States, in Austin, Texas on this night, defending these belts for the first time in a great while, according to our commentators Rich Bokini and Lance Hoyt. And uh, they take on Rapongi Vice. Rapongi. Rapongi. Rapongi Lights. Rapongi Vice. Who you also hear about quite often on the show. Uh, one, because their theme song is horrible and comical. <laughs> horribly great. <laughs> horribly comical. Uh, but also New Japan staples, these Rapongi Viceans seem Beretta to be. Beretta and Rocky Romero. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is, I mean, this is a great match, but this is like, yeah, this is like watching New Japan yeah. transplanted uh, uh, into this other arena. Like, so, I mean, it's cool. I couldn't help but think that, like, these guys just wrestled at, like, Wrestle Kingdom 11, you know, not too long ago, and a billion people. And now it's 200 people, maybe, you know? So, probably a bit to get used to, smaller crowd and all that, but me personally, I, I like the intimate experience, you know? Oh, I totally do too. It's interesting to see the gorillas without their face paint That on. is a little odd. That is a little odd. I thought that might take away from their, their, their fierceness. No. No, no, no. <laughs> definitely, definitely didn't take anything away from the fierceness of Tamatanga. I'm a big fan of Tamatanga. I think he's great. Um, again, stay, stay in New Japan. Stay in the Bullet Club and wrestle in ROH every now and then. Wrestle in Wrestle Circus. Don't go to WWE because WWE is going to take one look at you and go, hmm, half Roman Reigns, half Seth Rollins. Uh, okay, uh, mid-card hell. Yep. And I don't want that for you, Tomatonga. Mm-hmm. I want you to continue to be this scary badass. They should start this Nation of Domination Samoan style with all these Samoan wrestlers. Hey, they absolutely should do it. They should. Like Samoan Mafia, even. Like, right. Take that. Call, uh, call them the Nation of um, Domination. <laughs> well, They already own the name. They do already own the name. <laughs> That's right. 
Rapongi Vice defeat the Gorillas of Destiny, however. A little odd. A little odd. I mean, Beretta stands toe-to-toe with the Gorillas, but Rocky Romero not so much. There's definitely a size advantage going towards the Gorillas. Um, but hey, man, he's that little scrappy do. He, he ain't gonna back down from a Romero? challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it's interesting because Rapongi Vice, you know, they lose their IWGP junior heavyweight tag team belts. And they gain the Wrestle Circus Big Top Tag Team belts. Meanwhile, the Gorillas of Destiny, who retained their IWGP tag belts, lose their Wrestle Circus belts here. So it's a balancing act. It is. It's it homeostasis. Is. It's homeostasis. After this match is over, we have Kevin Condren and Scorpio Sky coming to the ring. This is about twenty-four hours removed from Cody becoming the Ring of Honor World Champion. And Kevin Condren says, Scorpio Sky wants you, Cody. He wants the ROH world title. Now, I'm very interested to know, does Ring of Honor and Wrestle Circus have a relationship? What's... They're seeing other people. You know, <laughs> well, they're definitely seeing other people. Right, yeah. If they're talking about Cody wrestling on Wrestle Circus and the, the ROH world title being on the line... At a future Wrestle Circus show, that'll be very interesting. Even more interesting will be if Cody ends up the IWGP champion and takes that belt down to Austin. Be awfully ballsy of Wrestle Circus, I think, to to throw away the not throw away throw around those types of titles. That might be flying a little too close to the sun there. <laughs> uh, so Scorpio Sky does not get Cody, but he does get. Brody King. He doesn't get Cody, he gets Brody. He gets Brogy. Brody King is a monster. This is a huge dude. 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. Tatted up to hell. Tatted like crazy. Rat-a-tat-tatted. It looks like insanity. Like in, It looks like insanity? It looks like ink-sanity. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, yeah, Brody King, he's got a blue mohawk, like the, like the floppy mohawk. And... Kevin like Condren, like I really dig Kevin Condren. Like I think he's, I think he's fun. I think he's that like millennial pop culture West Coast douchebag. Like he's just, he's disgustingly MTV uh, in an era where MTV is not cool. Right, and that's brilliant. That's certainly not my commentary on him as a person, uh-huh. but this character that he is is so awful. I love it. I love it. With I'm wearing jeans that are shredded to bits. Like there's more not jeans than jeans. More not jeans. And a baggy tank top and a scarf. <laughs> yeah. And uh that's brilliant. It's so tacky and uh God. Um, it's so hatefully obnoxious. And uh it's just who you want in your corner talking shit for you. <laughs> and uh, he talks a lot of shit for Scorpio Sky. And Scorpio Sky talks his own amount of shit. And he ends up defeating Brody King. Even though he seems physically outmatched. Because Brody, with all of that size, does make a couple of killer dives. Does some power moves. Agile as hell. Scorpio Sky's uh, manager, Kevin Condren, uh, gets the referee's attention. Which kind of gives Scorpio a little chance to, to kind of beat down Brody a bit. And he hits him with that running knee. Into the fireman's carry, into the diamond cutter, into the pin, and the win for Scorpio Sky. Absolutely, and if Cody ends up being in the crosshairs 
of Scorpio Sky, who says that Wrestle Circus is his, the future of Wrestle Circus is his, well then uh, Cody may have a tough opponent. Next up, the Lady of the Ring title is on the line as the first and thus far only Lady of the Ring champion, Rachel Ellering, takes on Mia Yim, formerly known as Jade in TNA. Uh, That is correct. The ladies put on a decent match here. Uh, It's just kind of a... (laughs) It's it's almost like a brawler match for, for a little bit. A lot of like trading blows. There's a point where they both go down after trading blows with each other. They both kind of go for, they punch each other at the same time and do it again and they kick each other and they flop. Um, the old and, Superman doomsday. Exactly. Yeah. They kind of trade power moves for a bit. Uh, but interestingly enough, this match ends exactly the same way that the match before ended with uh, Ella Ring putting Mia up on her shoulders for. Uh, a fireman's carry into a diamond cutter into the roll up. It was kind of like, ye would not have booked those matches back to back. You guys watching each other's matches? Yeah, but uh, Rachel Ellering, uh, she keeps her title. She's a lady of the ring. She is the lady of the ring. Now, if any part of the show wasn't really sharp, it was this part for a show that was all already a little bit long, a little bit bloated, despite all of its magnificence. You know. A five and a half hour long show, you know, we sat here and, I mean, WrestleMania blew our minds and yet we complained about how it was too long. <laughs> We're but old men though. A show that's too long <laughs> is simply too long. Right. But I think it probably ran a little long, Dive Hard with a Vengeance that is, um, because of the this, this segment just wasn't, it wasn't everything it could be. Lance Hoyt... Um, a little, not 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 super sharp, I guess. I guess uh, his commentary with Rich Bokini, not so bad. But uh, an in the ring interviewer, he seemed more like uh, he was there as Rachel Ellering's friend right. than as a commentator. It doesn't help that he's probably the biggest guy <laughs> that appears on the entire show. So you're like, oh damn, the giant, tall, muscly dude with long dark hair. Right. He looks like an even batter ass version. Of Drew McIntyre. He's a throwback to the like typical like wrestler build. But then you put him in the ring only to interview your women's champion, and it just seems a little out of place. And it's like having Chris Hemsworth as your secretary in Ghostbusters. Shouldn't you put him to use? And There you go. There, there you go. go. It's that. But Lance Hoyt, he will be back in the ring and back up to kicking ass before too long. On this night, however, he uh, just... Isn't great. I will say that. Next up, we have a boyfriend and girlfriend match. Aww. Adam Cole and Britt Baker. That's Adam Cole, baby. Adam Cole, baby. Not baby's kids. Adam (laughs) Cole, baby, and Britt Baker take on Sammy Callahan and Jessica Havoc. Baby. Sammy Callahan and Jessica Havoc, who our listeners will be extremely familiar with, having been uh, the last two consecutive main event opponents, number one contenders to Sue Young and her Fest Championship. Friend of the show, Sue Young. On this night, Sammy Callahan and his better half, Jessica Havoc, they do take on Adam Cole, the uh, ultra-hot, white-hot free agent, and his girlfriend, Britt Baker. It's the first time I've ever seen Britt Baker wrestle. It might as well. 
And uh, Sophie Callahan and Jessica Havoc come out wearing cat masks. And um, Rich and Lance talk about talk a lot about space cat and space and space catess, which uh, I don't know what that means. <laughs> I'm just gonna go. I mean, we call it right down the middle, and okay. uh, I'm not gonna pretend to know about something I don't know about. Maybe you don't know. I that. don't know about space cats. If you do, please enlighten me. I don't know. Okay, good. Okay. Well, this is a pretty neat match. Um, I'm a huge mark for Adam Cole. Like, I really believe in his ability, his marketability. Um, this dude, I mean, his dreamy blue eyes and his pearly white teeth, an incredible smile that come out of, uh, comes off of this dude's face. And uh, it's the kind of smile that, that just screams marketability. Like, to me, Adam Cole, he comes out and you're like, okay... Decent build, black trunks and boots, long wet hair, probably going to be a good match. And then boom, he throws those fingers in the air, says Adam Cole, baby. And then he flashes that smile and you're like, oh, that dude just went from a good wrestler to a superstar. For me, Adam Cole is like the movie Multiplicity with Michael Keaton. Okay. Okay. But it's Shawn Michaels is Michael Keaton and they make a bunch of clones from him and like the the one that doesn't turn out quite right, it's Stevie Richards basically. And then this one that they get just a little bit more right, and it's Adam Cole. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> I gonna say I was gonna say he was somehow not as good as even Stevie. I Richards. thought you were gonna say that Adam Cole was the the doofus. No, because I used to think Stevie Richards was basically like a really watered down version of Shawn Michaels, and and I, I like Stevie Richards fine. But <laughs> but clearly, but, you, but Adam Cole's got just more ability and clearly stuff like you that. Hate Christopher Adam Daniels. Cole. <laughs> uh, oh, clearly you hate Adam Cole and I Stevie Richards. No, as much as you hate Jay Lethal and Christopher Daniels. Oh my God. Okay. Forget. And yet I can't say anything about Lance Hoyt. But uh, <laughs> nevertheless, Lance Adam Hoyt Cole, died for your sins, Darren. Adam Cole is sort of, and if you've never seen him, dear listeners. He is like, uh, I would compare him, he, he is similar to, to Roderick Strong in terms of uh, build, frame, uh, wrestling style. Uh, personality style is extremely different. They wear boots. And, um, but, and by that, I mean they're just kind of like gear and trunks guys, you know? But Adam Cole Adam is Cole's like... Adam Cole's got uh, the, the flowing mane, though, and the locks. He does. I would say they're kind of two sides of the same coin. And, you know, Adam Cole's kind of a... He's a wonderfully smarmy heel when he wants to be, and uh, someone say it's kind of movie multiplicity, Michael Keaton. But some Cole, people like you say that. Some people, yeah. It's a cool match. I mean, it's uh, basically a, a non-tag format uh, mixed wrestling match, so that's pretty great, right? Oh yeah, that's very cool. Uh, plus, you have these four people. I mean, different styles of wrestling. Where Adam Cole and Britt Baker are very. Uh, traditional wrestlers as you can just compare to Roddy, Roddy Strong Britt Baker's kind of the same kind of a thing just like wrestling move wrestling move you know and Sammy Callahan has been it's been said many times he's like the Tasmanian devil because he, he kind of is he's the worldwide desperado and Jessica Havoc is just you know she's just a, a wrecking ball you know and she has that kind of crazy that Sammy has which why they're such a great couple they're, they're, they're the same kind of crazy Darren it works very well um, but it's uh, it really this is 
this might be one of the best booked matches of the night, I'd have to say. A lot of really fun spots. Man, they did so many super kicks, <laughs> and the Young Bucks were not involved. It, it's it's very interesting. Um, there's probably You'll see probably about 20 to 30 super kicks in this match. Um, yeah, it's rather intense. Which, <laughs> there's quite a bit going on here. I think fun is the operative word, uh, especially as it refers to Adam Cole's performance. Mm-hmm. I think Adam Cole was showing us that he was relieved to sort of be out from underneath the yoke of the Bullet Club right. and performing in Tokyo. Something different. And performing as a world champion. Uh, he gets to go out in front of a little bit of a kookier audience with his girlfriend mm-hmm. and fight another fight a Tasmanian devil right. and his war machine, death machine girlfriend. Right. And uh, so, yeah, on Adam Cole's part... Especially, how many times did he kiss Britt Baker? Or excuse me, how many times did he make Britt Baker kiss him during this match? If if you were Britt Baker, wouldn't you make Britt Baker kiss you constantly? Uh, yeah. He, she kisses <laughs> she kisses him about as many times as a super kick is performed in this. All right, I can't I can't say that, but <laughs> but it's it's a good match, and ultimately it ends up with Adam Cole lifting Callahan up in uh, basically a brainbuster position. Britt Baker delivers another super kick to Callahan as he's suspended in midair, and then uh, Cole drops Callahan on his knee and uh, jumps on top of him. Britt also jumps on top of Sammy, and that's Double it. pin. Double pin. One, two, three. So Cole and Baker do go over on Callahan and Havoc. But it's, re- it's a really good match. It's a lot of fun. Let's take just a second to set the scene here for our listeners of what Wrestle Circus is. All right. It takes place in Austin, Texas. Austin, Texas is one of those towns, one of those hipster towns that sort of grows out of a college town. I think that they're, they were sort of called basically college towns mm-hmm. in the 80s and early 90s. They've basically turned into like hipster arenas here in the 21st century. Towns like Gainesville, Florida, Athens, Georgia, Portland, Oregon, and... Austin, Texas. Hey, keep Austin weird. That's where it comes from. South by Southwest. That's why they head down there. Austin, Texas is a capital of weirdness. And Wrestle Circus is just the type of promotion to grow out of it. Wrestle Circus, the whole idea, the whole name is a nice nod to uh, absurdity. And I mean that in the best way possible because absurdity is a wonderful thing. Absurdity is the very root of Dada, and I am a huge fan of Dada. And uh, so Russell Circus is something that I think is is pretty cool. If you had told me about this maybe 10 years ago, and certainly if you had told it to me 20 years ago, I would have considered this kind of name, this kind of approach, um, kind of low rent or cheap or uh, gaudy or uh, just not reverent enough, just too irreverent. You're a very opinionated uh, 12-year-old, 13-year-old. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Have you met me? I've always been this way. However, I think in today's environment, today's indie wrestling... Right. Well, they're also coming to you from Austin, Texas, from... I don't know what this building is. 
But uh, it's interesting. I think that for the time being, although they're already bursting at the seams, and all you have to do is watch this on Twitch, and you'll see that two sides of this building are kind of a old-school brick, just sort of like an exposed rough brick finish. It's almost like a hipster barbecue joint. That's but but they removed all of the tables out of it and just <laughs> filled it with a ring and chairs. Yeah. Because it's the brick and the wooden, like the particle board looking walls. And you can see at the very top, the ventilation system is not is not above the ceiling. It's actually under the ceiling. Right, because the ceiling is exposed. Exactly. Um, so yeah. Yeah, and then one end, the far end, you get a big Wrestle Circus sign. And on the other end, you get sort of like this exp- like glass looking out on Austin. And uh, kind of looks like uh, maybe the, the, the door at the uh, one end of a fire station where the fire trucks come out. So it looks like it could also be a fire, like a firehouse. Could have been. And, uh, but it's a very cool arena. Um, it allows for a decently large crowd. But like I said, if Wrestle Circus grows, they're going ha- to outgrow this building pretty, pretty quickly. Right. Again, you're working with a circus theme. So you get everything kind of with red and white stripes like a circus tent. They have a great logo with a guy who's wearing a Lucha Libre mask. And I think that because of Texas and their proximity to Mexico, any nod to Lucha Libre is an appropriate and welcome one. And uh, I think their presentation is great. They're I like the red ring, too. The red ring's a nice touch. So yeah, the red ring apron is a, is a very nice touch. I agree. Mm. And uh, overall, they have put a lot of thought into their aesthetic and I think that that is a, a very powerful thing and uh, will help it uh, as it continues to market itself and its attempt to grow. And uh, now we'll go right back into the matches. Next we have Absolute. Speaking of circus. Uh, this is a circus. This is a circus. This is a, a circus for the eyes. A three, hurry, hurry, A three falls match with three titles on the line. Joey Ryan who our dear listeners are familiar with from all of our discussion about him uh, and his participation in Fest Wrestling. Also, Joey Ryan, who makes an appearance on Glow, as we discussed earlier. He will be playing the character of Mr. Monopoly. Joey Ryan is a triple champion coming into this night and this match. He is the DDT Pro Heavy Metal Weight Champion. He is also the Wrestle Circus Sideshow Champion and the Pro Wrestling Revolver Scramble Champion. And he is going to fight in a scramble match where all three titles are on the line and uh, they must all occur in separate pinfalls. Interestingly enough, Bokini and Hoyt say several times, although with a bit of hesitation in their voice, that the pinfall can occur uh, on anyone, and the belt can change hands. However, the actual match, all three titles do end up changing hands as Joey Ryan is pinned three different times. So whether or not that rule actually existed, it's irrelevant as Joey (laughs) Ryan is the one who is pinned three times to lose all three of his belts. Now, this is a crazy scramble match, which basically means it's like it's like a, a rumble match. It's about a royal, but 
pinfall is the only way to, to win the match. So right. it doesn't matter if you go over the top rope, to the floor, anywhere, whatever. Clearly there's no count outs or anything like that either. And besides Joey Ryan, your triple champion, coming into the match, he is joined by uh, a wide array of insanity. Delilah Doom and her wonderful uh, aerobics gimmick. And um, Tessa Blanchard. And uh, wow, her music. How about that? Starting out, it's like a blend of Diamonds Are Forever, the James Bond theme. And then it goes into the old Horseman music. Holy crap. That was amazing. She's also got a great look. The darker her hair goes into all of her black gear, very sharp looking. The daughter of Tully Blanchard, one of the four horsemen. Jason Cade, one half of pop culture and a fest alumnus. Here he is making his debut at Wrestle Circus. Christy Janes hits the ring and she's wearing some type of strange mask and uh <laughs> then she is followed up by two members of ohio is for killers jake christ and dave christ jake christ uh dressed a lot like sammy callahan and sort of a you know a, a snazzy shirt and vest his sunglasses and his nicely quaffed blonde do and dave christ in all his tattooed glory is essentially wearing the exact same thing that christy Jane's is and uh, Rich Bokini and Lance Hoyt seem very confused about that. <laughs> and I don't really know if there's ever quite an explanation for why he's wearing Christie's gear, but he is. Laura James, Joey Ryan's better half, also in the ring on this night, wearing a giant white fur coat to the ring. Cody Lane, Alley Cat, who literally crawls to the ring like a cat. Mm-hmm. And on a night where lots of people are wearing cat masks, she actually <laughs> does not have a cat mask. Oh, but no. She is an alley cat, so I guess that's enough. She is the personification of a feline. Right. Jordan Lennox. And then they, <laughs> Bokini and Hoyt even say, that's it, that's everyone. And then you hear the glass break. And Stone Cold Leva Bates makes her way to the ring. Leva Bates, uh, who our listeners may know as Blue Pants from NXT, and who our listeners may know as many other wrestling personalities, as she has crisscrossed this great nation of ours. And she's the queen of cosplay. She has a lot of cosplay, uh, a lot of cosplay elements in her matches, which is cool. Yeah, and on this night, she is Stone Cold Steve Austin, even down to the bald cap. And uh, she comes out, and then it seems like they are for sure saying these are all our participants. But no, there is one more person, and that is Space Monkey. Space Monkey makes his way to the ring in his orange spacesuit and space helmet, and then he slowly strips it off as he collects all the bananas thrown into the ring for him. And then uh, he is uh, stripped down to his silver suit and looking and acting exactly like a monkey. For some reason, I completely believe that he is a monkey. (laughs) It's very strange. Because Um, he is actually a monkey. This match, uh, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Like, uh, there's... A lot of a lot of craziness. There's a lot of spots, lots and lots of spots, including a dance off. There is a dance off. There is a dance off. 
There's a dive off in which literally every participant dives through the ropes on the person who did the very dive right before them. Mm -hmm. There's a point at which Leva Bates, as Stone Cold Steve Austin, stuns every single participant in the match. (laughs) And then, of course, toward the end, Joey Ryan does his wonderful crotch grab move, only it then becomes a daisy chain. And every single member of this match reaches over to grab the crotch of the next person. And then Joey Ryan swivels his hips and every single person (laughs) does a patented forward flip or a tumble or a somersault. Oh, and Delilah Doom actually looks like she just basically DDTs herself. (laughs) Took a wicked bump on her head. (laughs) But they all sell this move. So obviously this is a comedy match and a way for everybody to get to see one of their favorite indie people make an entrance to cool music because also unlicensed music that we're lucky enough. We do still get to hear it sometimes on shows like this. The DDT pro heavy metal weight championship is the first one that Joey Ryan loses. He loses it to Laura James when she reverses the crotch grab and he ends up with his hand in between her legs doing the crotch grab of her own and Lance Hoyt so poignantly refers to the victory uh, by pussy flip um, by Laura James. So thank you for that, Lance. The Wrestle Circus Sideshow title changes hands when Tessa Blanchard pins Joey Ryan. And finally, the Wrestling Revolver Scramble Championship is taken off of Joey Ryan by Jordan Lennox, who lands the pin on Joey Ryan. Mm, poor Joey Ryan did not have a good night. He didn't have a good night. Did it came in a as a triple night. champion, leaves with nothing but a lollipop that's probably covered in lots of people's hair and saliva at this point. And uh, I don't want it. I don't want that. You can keep that, Joey Ryan. <laughs> You'll never catch me, by the way, being the one at ringside who, who wants that uh, lollipop put into his mouth. I remember you said that, Darren you, Beasley. You Next up, we have a four-way ladder match for the uh, basically for an anytime title shot, sort of like a Money in the Bank or a Pickle in the Tree. It's basically a Money in the Bank, yes. But Russell Circus refers to it as a Carnival Cash-In. It is a Halliburton briefcase suspended above the ring, and Shane Strickland takes on Leo Rush, takes on Mr. 450, takes on Desmond Xavier. And this is an interesting four-man ladder match, uh, a carnival cash-in, a money in the bank, a pickle in the tree, if you will, because the ladders aren't that big, and they are definitely ladders you're only supposed to climb on one side. (laughs) And so we get some scary spots where people are climbing up that slender, non-weight-bearing side. and uh, The two-sided ones are costly, so, you know... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you uh, you go with what works for sure. Leo Rush and Shane Strickland, who Perry and I were both lucky enough to see just very recently at Fest Wrestling's Bring Your Mom. Indeed. They are competing in this match against one another. And Mr. 450, who we saw at Fest Wrestling's Pickle in the Tree, 450, who looks to be back on his game after quite a long while on the sidelines with a leg injury. He did spend a lot of time on the sidelines with that leg injury, uh, which 
she had that. He's had that for a long time. Yeah, but he looks great. He's oh, absolutely better back, than ever. Yeah, yeah, back to back to form, back to formula, if you will. Wow. And uh, he's flying around and flipping around and somersaulting and doing all the types of things you would expect. He's doing four sixties. Yeah, he's doing four sixties, man. And Desmond Xavier also in this match. All four of these guys, again, like you might expect in a ladder match between four high flyers, they are kicking and flipping and jumping and leaping and climbing and taking nasty bumps off of ladders. Uh, Shane Strickland, of course, as you know, not only from Fest Wrestling, but also known as Killshot in Lucha Underground. He uh, is the uh, innovator of Swerve Style. Hailing from Tacoma, Washington, he eventually climbs that ladder and captures the Carnival Cash-In briefcase. Very surprised Leo Rush didn't get this because he's winning everywhere else. That's true. So it's very Shane interesting. Strickland yeah, takes takes it, and now that makes him you can anytime, anytime you want it. Just like Sue Young winning the pickle in the tree. Just like recently, we had Baron Corbin win the men's Money in the Bank in the WWE on SmackDown Live. And as of this past Tuesday, we saw Carmella end up with the women's, the first ever women's Money in the Bank in a rematch from the Money in the Bank pay-per-view, which friend of the show James Ellsworth ruined for Carmella after trying to help her. So, much like all of those aforementioned people, Shane Strickland now carrying around a briefcase. And this one for Wrestle Circus's top prize. Next, we have a match between John Morrison and Luchasaurus. John Morrison, which was his WWE name, uh, after he, of course, wrestled as Johnny Nitro. Nitro. Uh, this is the man whose real name is John Hennigan, who also wrestles as Johnny Mundo. In Lucha Underground, although all of these people, all of these personas are essentially just Johnny's. John Hennigan. And uh, and who'd you say? Johnny's. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely all Johnny's. And definitely who I think John Hennigan probably just is. He's a guy that kind of looks like Jim Morrison and uh, kind of has a Shawn Michaels vibe. But Here as, you go comparing people to Shawn Michaels. Hey, I didn't say... I get shit for it, yeah, but oh, because oh, oh I'm going to say... Tessa how, Blanchard, if you take Shawn Michaels... No, 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 no. Jay well, Lethal. What I'm doing is... If you take Shawn I'm Michaels... I'm celebrating Morrison's likeness to, to the heartbreak kid Shawn Michaels, Mr. WrestleMania. I'm not saying he's the reject, multiplicity, Michael Keaton version. I would never. Except for about 20 minutes ago. That... Is a lie that you made up. John Morrison coming out, again, strangely coming out to his WWE name. You really think he would be Johnny Mundo or maybe something, or John Hennigan, but they want that, I dig it. They want that star factor. They I want to like, say, look, we have a WWE guy, everybody, look. I like the name John Morrison. I've always liked it, and uh, it's fun. I think he should go with it. He comes out to Journeys Any Way You Want It. Yes. Again, something else I love about these indie shows using the unlicensed music which by the way you know enjoy that while you can because they are going to make it to where they have software that scans these and they they're going to mute basically uh, <sighs> which is to me it's better than replacing it with generic music like the network does when you watch old ECW stuff they replace everybody's music with break the wall down <laughs> 
So heads up, everybody. That's that's not going to be that way. Well, hurry up and watch it, so that way you can also hear Luchasaurus come out to his Conan the Barbarian score. Yes! Um, which is wonderful. I uh, absolutely love that, uh, that score. And Luchasaurus, never seen him wrestle before, and this is a huge guy. Because John Morrison is sort of that WWE size guy, bigger than most indie guys, and Luchasaurus making Johnny Morrison look a little small. Ooh. Old Johnny Mundo. I mean, I'm like, like Johnny Morsel. <laughs> Luchasaurus with a very realistic type dinosaur mask. Uh, got an interesting feel to him. He's a real dinosaur. Oh, right. Well, they said he's half dinosaur, half man. But, but, and, more, uh, but more half dinosaur. More half, okay. Um, I guess it would probably be the man part of Luchasaurus then that did the crotch chop in John Morrison's direction and said, suck it. I imagine I so. don't imagine a dinosaur would know much about D-Generation X. Well, how many dinosaurs do you know, Darren? I know a lot of dinosaurs. Wow. You don't know me. Wow. You don't know me and my dinosaurs. I thought I knew you. You don't. And your dinosaurs. You don't. Okay. Sorry. I hate to break it to you right now. In the middle of Wrestle Circus. We're live. We're pre-recorded live. At one point, it looks like Morrison is going for the knockout combo of a standing reverse Hurricane Rana right into his finishing maneuver, Starship Pain, which is a top, a backward, top rope bounce off RVD type corkscrew plancha. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's crazy. The Starship it's, Pain. It is beautiful. Luchasaurus kicks out, though. Um, Morrison immediately then goes for a springboard spinning heel kick from the outside off the top rope right to the noggin of Luchasaurus, followed by another starship pain and the one, two, three. Right. For those who don't know, John Morrison, uh, extremely athletic. Oh yeah. Extremely athletic and, you know, 450s and planchas and corkscrews. It's all, it's all commonplace for him. I mean, he... Kind of is a better looking RVD. Fair enough. <laughs> Next, we have Gentleman Jervis Cottonbelly come to the ring. Of course we do. And uh, the ring announcer basically welcomes him back, makes a brief comment about the fact that the last time we saw Gentleman Jervis, he was attacked by a group of hooligans. Were his actual words. Not the hooligans. Not the hooligans. Okay. But a group of... No, excuse me. I believe he said ruffians. That's okay. right. But and not um, the ruffians. No. No, no, no. Just a group of ruffians. Huh. A group of rough hooligans. Of hooli ruffigans. <laughs> and... Uh, Moving on. <laughs> Cottonbelly is uh, basically shooting a promo. Although they're throwing so many streamers at him and screaming. I think they're screaming for him. Screaming in his favor, but they are drowning out what he's trying to say. And before he can say much, he is attacked by a group of like 15 people who look like fans. Like, I was really confused by this part. And the commentators are saying nothing. (laughs) Because it is like people in like large heather gray t-shirts and jorts with no build and no nothing. Like, there's like a like a bigger girl and like a young <laughs> there's like a bigger girl there is and there's so like a they, they, they look like kid. those they look like those normies they those do. normal folk they literally look like a bunch of fans got in the ring and beat up Jervis Cottonbelly and then it looks like they're hog tying him at one point 
And then they all just sort of go away. And it's kind of like, all right. Well, they have it. And then they never mention it again. So I don't know what that's all about, dear listeners. If you have a rich knowledge, a richer than ours anyway, knowledge of Russell Circus, write in. Let us know what's the deal with the, all these people attacking Jervis Cottonbelly. <laughs> Next up, we have Matt Seidel taking on Zachary Wentz. Matt Seidel, famous in New Japan, famous in Ring of Honor, all over the United States Indies, and once famous in WWE and in WWE's version of ECW, where he wrestled as Evan Bourne, formerly a WWE Tag Team Champion with Kofi Kingston. On this night, however, Matt Seidel is taking on Zachary Wentz. Zachary Wentz, who the announcers tell us, is... Uh, just absolutely uh, in awe of all things Matt Seidel. He's in awe. He uh, idolizes Matt Seidel and is uh, very excited on this night simply to be facing Matt Seidel. So these two, Zachary Wentz basically looking like a younger, thinner version of Matt Seidel, who is still in incredible shape. I say, take that, Matt Seidel. No, no, you absolutely. Fatty is what Darren just said. You heard him, Matt Seidel. Did not say anything like that. Okay. These two uh, deliver just the kind of match you might imagine they would. Super kicks, standing shooting star presses, dives, flips, all the wonderful aerial craziness. It's a very indie match. It is. It is. Um, it is. And, uh, which, is actually, not a, which is not negative, by the way. Of course not. If we didn't like indie wrestling, we wouldn't watch it. We certainly wouldn't dedicate all of this airtime to it. <laughs> We'd be like... Oh, look at Russell Circus trying to put on a wrestle shoe. I'm Rip Rogers. I hate everything. Yes. I want to watch Fat Nothing slug it out. These guys weigh less than 250. Change the chino. Watch someone play Age of Empires 2. <laughs> In the end, Matt Seidel defeats Zachary Wentz because... You He's know, so much larger than he is. Zachary, you may be good, but Matt Seidel is better. Yeah. And Matt Seidel hits the big shooting star press off the top rope and gets the one, the two, and the three. I don't care who you are. If you're going to do a shooting star press, you've earned my respect. Next up, we have the unbreakable Michael Elgin taking on his student, Myron Reed. Michael Elgin, a.k.a. Big Mike, former ROH world champion, and big-time player in New Japan Pro Wrestling. He also is the founder of the wrestling school in St. Louis, Missouri, and uh, the independent promotion he runs therefrom, known as Glory Pro. Myron Reed is the Glory Pro champion, and he defends this title against his teacher, Big Mike. Uh, this is a... Uh, this is a... An interesting match because Elgin is twice Reed's size. They're about the same height, not tall guys, but Big Mike isn't called Big Mike um, because he's little. It's not ironic, no. It's 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 legit. And uh, he pounds on Myron Reed. This looks like the kind of uh, kind of thing you might see in a wrestling school or in a dojo. Made me think of uh, Stu Hart pounding on some poor unsuspecting fool <laughs> who found his way into the heart dungeon. If you have not seen Wrestling with Shadows, then 
pause, go watch it and come back so I can say this. Told you so. Yeah. And also so I can so I can say this. Have some discipline. <laughs> Hashtag have some discipline. And that's what this looks like as Michael Elgin pounds on Myron Reed. Um, God, he manhandles him throughout most of this match. And uh, Rich Bokini on commentary even says things like, man, this is almost like watching a father teach his son. And he yanks him down. The off hard the, way. Yeah. <laughs> takes, yanks him down saying, no, that's, the, that's what a dad does, son. And uh, it's kind of kind of funny. Elgin actually hits a falcon arrow on Myron Reed at one point, and I was like, God damn. And um, nevertheless, Myron Reed wins this match with a simple roll-up on Big Mike, Michael Elgin, rolling up and retaining his Glory Pro Championship. Wonderful. Next up is our pin ultimate match of the evening. It's a tag team match between Penta and Ray Phoenix taking on the team of Red Dragon. It's a Penta ultimate match. Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly, the two men that make up Red Dragon. Now, that means Bobby Fish wrestled Friday night in Orlando, made his NXT debut, flew to Austin the next day, to wrestle with his old tag partner, Kyle O'Reilly, in what I can only assume is the last stand of Red Dragon, at least for the time being, until such time comes as Kyle O'Reilly finds his way to NXT or WWE, and they decide to pair him with Bobby Fish. So it's nice to see Red Dragon wrestle one more time. They need to bring in uh, Kyle O'Reilly because they need to build up that tag scene yeah, DIY breaking up, Revival getting called up. It's kind of like you need more fast tag guys. I'd love to see Red Dragon come in there and, well, time's and bowl man. over the Authors of Pain because their time has kind of come and gone, in my opinion. But anyway, we're not talking about NXT right now. We're talking about Wrestle Circus. And, um, but if we're going to talk about Wrestle Circus, we're going to talk about Penta. Penta, for those of you who Wasn't may that not... one of the boats that Christopher Columbus used? No, no, that was the... Pinta. <laughs> oh, you know it's the Penta. You fucking know it. No, it's the Pinta. It's the Penta, but you're changing it because you want it to be right. No, there's a difference. The Nina, the Penta, and the Santa Maria. Yes, but it's spelled differently. But you, you're just you're you're going out of your way to pronounce it differently. Because I, I feel like Fred Willard writing. Because that. I believe that when you are speaking someone else's language, it is only culturally fair to pronounce it with their accent how ethnocentric of me would it be to go no i'm gonna anglicize everything because america no it's the pinta tomato tomato no pinta but pinta i will not say potato potato because no one calls it a potato that's true no one on earth has ever said no one has ever said potato but not pinta not the middle of Christopher Columbus's ships, not the mama bear of Christopher Columbus's ships, but in fact, Penta, Penta, spelled with an E, as in formerly Pentagon, formerly Pentagon Jr., the uh, the wrestler, the uh, artist formerly known as Pentagon Jr., who is now known actually as Penta El Cerro Miedo, which of course 
is Spanish for zero fear. Or of course, no fear. Of course, it is. Or ain't scared, if you will. Which <laughs> are they had those obnoxious T-shirts too, like we had. I hope so. Ain't scared. But on this night, they're referring to him simply as Penta, and uh, he and Ray Phoenix, uh, which of course Ray R E Y, Spanish for King. Um, these two are referred to on this night as the Lucha Brothers, and they take on Red Dragon. Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly. This is a pretty cool match. This is a match I've never seen before. And uh, and four people I did not expect to see. I mean, again, a show that we said probably a little bloated, probably a little long. Uh, here we are right near the very end, and I am immediately uh, refreshed and revived and interested all over again. Yeah. Because of this match, and you know when you say it's 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 a lot, it's a little much, and it's bloated, um, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing. You can always take a break. There's just so much wrestling to absorb. There's so many new people to kind of you know to learn about and kind of absorb. So I mean, yeah, it's it's this show is a lot to take in. One because of how many people are on this show. Two because how long the show actually is. Three, all the titles that are up for grabs on this show. And it's the whole thing as an experience. So, Yep. Um, we should say the one match we did not cover was right in the middle of this show. For some reason, they did a flashback match to uh, April of this year when Davey Boy Smith Jr., formerly known as D.H. Smith in the WWE, who is, in fact, the son of the British Bulldog Davey Boy Smith, he took on Moose who is very famous and uh, very renowned for his part in Impact Wrestling, TNA, New Japan. And uh, we're not going to cover that match because it wasn't a part of this show. But uh, that did take up a good uh, extra portion of the show, as well as there was an intermission. There was an intermission. Which I know had to be a nice breather for the people in attendance. Right. Five and a half hours. <sighs> I mean... I speak from experience. Perry and I, as well as our good friends John and Jared, just sat through a seven-hour WrestleMania that definitely did not have an intermission no. of any kind. No. So uh, intermissions are actually welcome. They are. And uh, so good for Wrestle, <laughs> for Wrestle Circus for giving its live attendees a second to go breathe or pee or smoke or whatever. And the audience do. watching at home as well, you know. You can't pause the live feed. You can't. You definitely can't pause On Twitch the live for the first time, you cannot pause the live feed. So Penta and Ray Phoenix, the Lucha Brothers, take on Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly, Red Dragon. And again, like I said, this is the kind of match that Wrestle Circus and other indies are absolutely in existence to put on. Textbook. These are those kind of match. These are the ones you had all the time. Uh, definitely two different styles of wrestling here between these two teams. The Lucha Brothers, as you might suspect, wrestle a Lucha Libre style. That's obviously Americanized a little bit. But uh, lots of flips, lots of dives over and through the ropes. A lot of aerial maneuvering. Um, Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly, a lot more mat-based. A um, little bit of brawling, but a lot of uh, technical wrestling here. From Fish and O'Reilly. Um, another thing that the commentators talk about a lot during this match is this is this sort of unofficially a number one contendership match for the tag team titles. 
which were captured by Rapongi Vice in the opening match of the evening. Well, it should be, shouldn't it? And it absolutely should be. Yeah. And I believe that uh, the the winners of the ultimate winners of this match, who are Penta and Ray Phoenix, they absolutely should get a shot at Rapongi Vice. Rapongi. Rapongi. Rapongi lights. Rapongi Vice. The finish of this match is 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 pretty devastating. It kind of looks like Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly might be able to pull things off, but Phoenix comes off the top rope, delivering a pretty wicked kick to Kyle O'Reilly, who is standing on the apron, and then Penta grabs Bobby Fish, wraps him up in a package pile driver, while Phoenix goes to the opposite top rope and does a flying. Basically a coup de gras, but to Bobby Fish's ass as he's completely <laughs> inverted in this package. Coup de grass. And then Penta absolutely drives Fish's head into the mat. And the Lucha Brothers are victorious. Hooray. And now our main event here at Wrestle Circus's first ever Twitch pay-per-view. Not a pay-per-view. <laughs> Donate please of you. First ever Twitch Super Show Dive Hard with a Vengeance. The Ringmaster Championship on the line. That is their heavyweight title, is the top title in the company. And the current champion coming into this night is Brian Cage. Brian Cage, also well known from Lucha Underground, from TNA. And from Fest Wrestling, where he has wrestled on a number of Fest shows and wrestled before our very eyes alongside Sammy Callahan as the tag team twins. Yeah. And they captured the Love Cup at Fest Wrestling's Battle for the Love Cup at Love is a Battlefield show in February on Valentine's Day this year. Brian Cage, the champion, takes on Sammy Guevara. Sammy Guevara, who I guess is a homegrown talent. He's who, Mr. Wrestle Circus, man. He really is Mr. Wrestle Circus. Very much over. Over the course of this five and a half hour long show, right. we get to see promos with him several times. Yeah. Promo he, packages as well as interviews. Not not you know, not terribly impressive just to see him. And then you see him in action, then you see what he's capable of. Exactly. And you're like, okay, I, I, I get it. <laughs> I'm taking it back now. And these two have quite a match. Even though Brian Cage is probably like three times bigger than Sammy Guevara, you would never know because Guevara believably pulls off like strong arm type power move type stuff on the champion Cage. Right. Well, not a lot of people are the size of Brian Cage. Let's, <laughs> let's be honest. That's true. That's, That's a thick dude. That's yeah. a... Man, he is impressive. That is quite a physique. But Sammy Guevara, blow for blow, toe to toe, head to head. Head to head. And it looks like this is uh, this is any any anybody's match. This really could be anybody's match. In fact... It literally is anybody's match. It could be anybody's match because it doesn't remain a one-on-one matchup between Cage and Guevara as Shane Strickland... Brings his carnival cash in to cash in in the main event here at Dive Hard with a Vengeance. 
Shane Strickland cashes in his carnival cash in toward the very end of the match. It was essentially would have been the end pretty soon um, to make it a three-way match. He doesn't wait till it's over and challenge the winner. He just comes in while the match is still going. Cashes it in, joins the match, and uh, never even removes his t-shirt. He, he takes it right to Cage and Guevara, both. Although, to their credit, despite being exhausted, kayfabe or no, um, definitely working their exhaustion and uh, working that exhaustion angle after putting on a hell of a match, mano a mano, now they've got this third man, this interloper, if you will. And I will. Strickland, I guess I would say he is the fresh man, but he's not that fresh. He wrestled a four-way ladder match earlier. He's probably the sophomore. But uh, So yeah, let's say he's the sophomore. <laughs> uh, does not show any signs of exhaustion. He's flying around and hitting both Cage and Guevara with everything. And Guevara manages to get around Strickland, who's on the outside for a bit, and hits his 450 centon finish on Brian Cage. Lance Hoyt refers to it as a 630. But before Sammy Guevara can win this match, Shane Strickland comes off the top rope. It's a stomp on Brian Cage. That type of coup de gras type stomp. We've seen it before at Fest. Then hits the diamond cutter on Guevara and jumps right back over to Brian Cage. One, two, three. Shane Strickland is the new Wrestle Circus Ringmaster Champion. Stealing it. Very special. Right out from under the nose of Cage and Guevara. Very special ending to a very special night for sure. Glad it kind of had that end to it. That kind of shocker. You know, I mean, they needed to put on a show for this. It needed to be a stacked deck, and it was. They definitely had the talent. Uh, a lot of great wrestlers on the card, and really great ending to it with uh, Shane Strickland, you know, bringing that element from a part of the show earlier on, you know, uh, into the end there. So good booking, and uh, yeah, I think everyone's pretty much happy with that outcome for sure. I think it's very strong booking. Again, for a show that ran this long, for the next to last match to be so outstanding, and then for everything you just said about the main event. That one-two punch there to end the show, that, that just shows that they know what they're doing. Right. This crew knows what they're doing over there in Austin, Texas, and I couldn't be happier for them. I definitely think that their uh, headfirst dive into Twitch and uh, Twitch's welcoming arms is going to be that touchstone that I that I believe it will be. Right. I mean, it could have... It would have been nice if, you know, Stone Cold Leva Bates came out and stunned them all and declared herself the champion. But, you know, that's fine. This time. <laughs> As always next time. And hopefully we will continue to see wonderful shows out of Wrestle Circus. I know we will see another show coming up from them in July. And uh, I'm sure it will also come to us live from Austin, Texas. Hopefully streamed live on Twitch. I don't think this Twitch thing is going to go anywhere anytime soon. That being said, this will go away sometime soon. Because, um, <laughs> just saying, oh. we tend to say, this will never happen, and then things happen immediately. Um, but a uh, great show. Hope you guys caught it. If you did, let us know about it. 
A lot of ways you can do that. You can do it on Twitter at Ref and Show Podcast. That's R E F N S H O W P O D C A S T. You can also find us on Facebook. Feel free to like and share Whole Ref and Show on Facebook or send us an email if you want to at the Whole Ref and Show at gmail.com. That's T H E W H O L E R E F N S H O W at gmail.com or see us on Instagram. Same words, same phrasing, same spelling that Perry just gave you. The whole Refn show. That's how you can find us on Instagram. So many of you, in fact, I think all of you, have found us on Instagram. And we appreciate all of the likes, the follows, the comments. And uh, even some of you who (laughs) sort of uh, take our pictures and share them elsewhere. Good for you. We're happy to be a part of that <laughs> wonderful Instagram wrestling community. And uh, so see us on Instagram. There's a lot of cool stuff and a lot of fun to be had there. That's right. Shout out to our faithful listeners, Jared Hill and Carmen Hill, and the new addition to the Hill family. Little Elias, congratulations, guys, on the little baby. Eight pounds, eight ounces, Bambino. Welcome, Earthside, little guy. Awesome. So another... Listener is born, Darren. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Every day a listener is born. You guys get out there, make some babies, make some more listeners for us. We'll certainly... We, certainly we, won't, look, we won't call them suckers like P.T. Barnum. No, 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 listeners, no. Dear listeners. Dear listeners. Not listeners who are dear. D-E-E-R <laughs> listeners. <laughs> that, is that three E's just Yeah, D-E-E-R. D-E-E-R. Dear listeners. Like Binky the Clown, isn't that from Garfield? Yes. Okay, well, great. Uh, Good end to the show there. Good stuff. Uh, All right, folks, thank you again for listening in. By the way, my name is Perry Smith. And my name is Darren Beasley. That would make you Darren Beasley. Process of elimination. Sure, sure. Process of elimination that we noticed earlier. Sure, sure. I'm Darren Beasley. And we appreciate you listening to the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. The whole Reffin' Show! Exclamation point.